0: This podcast is brought to you by the Los Angeles Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Please visit our website at www.oala.com ig.org, where you'll find three podcast feeds of over 200 sound files of individual speakers, as well as events such as retreats and workshops. You'll also find order forms for ordering CDs of many of these speakers through the San Fernando Valley Intergroup of OA. Finally, we have a donation button where you can contribute to keeping this valuable service continuing for yourself and others. Again, our website is www.oalai.g.org. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Linda S. <clears throat> Good evening. Hi, I'm, my name is Linda. And Anna, I'm an me, bulimic, compulsive overeater. Hi. Hello, everyone. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you, Walter, for asking me to share this evening. It's really an honor. And I really love this room and uh, this meeting. Um, you know, one thing I've learned in these rooms is... Um, you know, you repeat the same patterns over and over, and you just <laughs> never learn. But you know, after a few uh, <clears throat> a few slides and slips and, you know, across the board, you know, you finally wake up and you go, you know, I could do this thing a little differently. And so, you know, I park outside here on the street, right? And uh, I park there, and I'm sitting there for a few minutes getting my stuff together and... Uh, and, of course, I was concerned if somebody from program saw my car inside because it's a mess. I mean, I've got stuff all over and stuff for a sponsee I've got to give her and this other bag. And I've got program and meditation books. And I'm like, oh, you know, let it go. So anyway, I get out and I go to put money in the meter. And uh, the meter's broken. And I'm like, oh, no. I go, well, you know, I'm thinking, you know, how many cops are going to be here uh, giving me a ticket at this time of day, right? The old thinking. Am I going to get caught? So, and I said, you know, it was probably about four or five months ago, you got a ticket at that meter when you went to that meeting. You know, this is another place in time, but I got a ticket, and it wasn't cheap. And I was so mad. And when I get mad at myself, I really, I'm really hard on myself. I really beat myself up. So, you know, and I go, wait a minute, hello, there's a place across the street. Get in the car, and so I parked across the street. And, you know, I learned that stuff from you. You know, I learned how to make changes, how to do things differently. And, you know, I can apply the same thing to my life today. With my character defects, and it's affected my eating, and it's affected my eating disorder. And thank God for program. I just want to put that out there. If I say nothing else, I am so, so grateful for Overridges Anonymous. It's taught me so much, and it continues to teach me on a daily basis. Um, you know, uh, in January, I celebrated 11 years of abstinence by the grace of God, one day at a time. And uh, it's back to back abstinence um, with an imperfect eating plan. Uh, but those two things are different. I didn't know at first. But uh, I'm really grateful for that. Um, I have come from this side to this side of the eating disorder and everything in between and I didn't quite understand how I would fit in at first but I've come to understand I fit in perfectly you know it doesn't matter what size we are Um, all it matters is that we recognize that we have no power and that we have an eating disorder and that I know that I have an eating disorder today that I cannot Conquer alone. As hard as I tried, I couldn't conquer it alone. Um, you know, I've, I've come the full gamut from compulsive overeating. Um, I can remember when I was living in Chicago at one point. Uh, just coming home from work, I lived in there with uh, there were four of us, four girls living together, and it was a two-bedroom place, so it was a little bit cramped. But we didn't all stay there because uh, traveling for work, or you know, here and there, and we were all busy. So, I loved it most when nobody was home. (laughs) Duh. I like to eat in privacy. And so I can remember, like, coming back to this apartment. It was in a high-rise apartment. It was downtown. It was a very cool place. But I was a little insane at the time. And uh, I can remember putting the key in the door and just thinking, oh, please, let no one be home. Because I already had a little plan going in my head, a little food plan of how I needed to eat, because I was frustrated I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. I'd had a challenging day, or I didn't have a challenging day, whatever it was. I'd open the door and I'd go, "Hello, <laughs> hello." <laughs> and if somebody called out, I'd go. <laughs> <laughs> and if I heard silence, it was like, whew, peace. Throw my stuff down. I'd run for the kitchen. You know, I got to take care of myself gotta feed the beast, you know, the beast, the eating disorder, the hole in the stomach. You know, I've got to fill myself up. I don't feel good enough, don't fit in. You know, it's not it's not happening for me. Um, you know, and then later on, you know, after I'd eaten as much as I could eat, or maybe I decided to make something like breads or brownies or something like that. And of course, I love to eat the raw dough. And uh we just love to eat that. You know. It's another thing I don't do anymore. It's, like, it's, been, a, it's been a long time. Um, so then I'd want to throw it up. And, uh, you know, this is an ugly disease. You know, making myself sick on purpose. Throwing up. Something I had learned in college years ago. And, uh, and then, too, you know, I practice compulsively over-exercising. So... You know, it was just another way to eliminate the food to try to ultimately control how I looked. To try to express some control over my body. Um, I was, uh, you know, I worked out a lot over the years off and on. I did, did a lot of working out, took dance classes in school. And, and uh, it was just, you know, one of those things that more was my favorite word. More. I wanted more of everything. You know, I had no boundaries. I had no ways of deciding what was moderation. I mean, that didn't even occur to me, moderation. Oh, let's stop here. Seems like a good place to stop. I mean, come on. Uh, So, you know, I just continued on. Uh, I worked worked out a lot. I remember thinking, well, if I'm going to work out this much, uh, might as well get a part-time job at the club, you know. And get paid to teach aerobics classes. So, I went off and got whatever certificate I needed to get so that I could teach aerobics classes. Uh, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not stupid. So, uh, you know, I was make a little money and then uh, feel good about myself temporarily. Everything was temporary, you know. I think I would be doing okay until a half hour later. Um... You know, they talk about it in the big book. You know, lack of power was my dilemma. And uh, I always thought I could try to control this thing on my own. Trying to control it was really important to me. Um, I grew up in in an insane household, uh, an alcoholic household. And, uh, you know, I always felt like I had no control over anything. And if I could only control something. And it seemed like the only thing I can control was myself. But that was really hard. Um, I, you know, and it's, it's you know, it talks about it. I love this, people, whatever you call it, the chocolate book, some people call it the 12 and twelve, O8 12 and 12, uh, whatever. But anyway, it's, um, it's a great book. And uh, I love the aftertaste anyway, too. So, but, um, you know, I love how this book defines the, uh, the, the eating experience. You know, it says, in trying to control our eating, that was, that was what it was all about for me. And I'm just going to read this one paragraph because it says it so beautifully and I don't want to paraphrase it. But compulsive eating is an illness that cannot be controlled by willpower. None of us decided to have this disorder any more than we would have decided to have any other disease. We can now cease blaming ourselves or others for our compulsive eating. And uh, it goes on to say the disease of compulsive eating is threefold in nature, physical, emotional, and spiritual. You know, and that's what I experienced. Um, Emotionally, it was, uh, you know, I was a wreck trying to do what I could do to try to control myself, to try to control the eating. Um, I can remember when I went away to college, it was a whole new environment. I thought, well, you know, this is going to be good, you know, a whole new start. I thought I had a grip on everything, right? (laughs) Um, So I got out of that house and went away to school. And, um, you know, lo and behold, I got to experience all the fine cooking of the dormitory, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to cook it. And I'm out of the house. And and it was all of a sudden I had all new obsessions. You know, if it wasn't this, it was this. And I remember most it was this apple crisp thing, you know. and, And sugar is certainly a problem for me. And I can remember just thinking about that before I went to dinner every single night. It wasn't like, well, what what kind of meat are they having? Are they having chicken? Or are they having this or that? It was all about, oh, I can't wait till the dessert, you know. And um, so, you know, there were a lot of ways that I did not participate in healthy eating. It was was black or white. It was all or nothing. And... um, you know, I tried my best to try to control how I looked because I felt like if you, if you got to know me and got to know my personality and really got to know what was behind the wall that I had, you wouldn't like me. You wouldn't understand the insanity. Um, you wouldn't want to hang out with me. And so, you know, that's what I always thought. And so I kept a lot of secrets. You know, my big secret was, oh, my God, if you found out, if you found out how I practiced my eating disorder, you know, that would be a whole other story. Um, so, you know, I just continued on uh, trying to control my eating and uh, trying to do, you know, whatever I could. Um, I come from a long line of compulsive overeaters, and, uh, but I was always kind of made fun of to be the picky eater. And uh, I was kind of picky early on. But, you know, later on, sooner or later, it comes around. Um, And and there I was affected too. Um, The last, uh, I'm going to speed it up here and and get to a part. Uh, In 1985, um, all of my insanity kind of built on top of each other. And uh, it was at that point in time that I also had a, A little drinking problem. Um, And, um, you know, and that's another disease, but I have to talk about it because it's part of my story. And so I was invited to go to my first 12-step meeting. Actually, I'm going to back up just a little bit. I, I lived with another woman in Rockford, Illinois at one point. And this was very interesting. I was completely out of control and completely insane. Uh, with every facet of my life. And I remember living with this, with this gal, and she at one point invited me to go to an OA meeting. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird, but I was doing a little people-pleasing at the time, and I said, oh, okay, I'll go with you. And she said, well, I'd like to have you get to know me a little bit more, and this is a big part of my life. And I thought, okay, so I went, and they read from the big book at this meeting, and so that was the very first meeting I went to. And I thought, well, you know, this is, this is fine. This is great for them, uh, you know, because she really needs this. And afterward, it was real interesting. I haven't thought about this for a long time. She gave me this book, and it was called The Wall. And it was all about this person who had literally brick by brick built a wall around themselves, to protect themselves from everything and everyone. And she she gave me this book from her heart because she, because she cared about me and she was in her own way trying to help me. And she she told me that she thought that this book was me. Anyway, this is how I did life. And um, I just kind of poo-pooed it and put the book on the shelf. And you know, many years later I was like... Was that like something... Was she out to get me or something, you know? But, you know, I understood what she... She knew way, way, way before I ever had a clue. What I was doing and how I did life. Keeping the wall up. Keeping you at bay. Not wanting you in. And, God forbid, I become vulnerable around you. So, fast forward many years. 1985. I'm reaching a whole new bottom. And... um, got invited my to my first 12-step meeting. That a person was inviting me for me, for my little drinking problem. Um, I was a blackout drinker, and, and uh, that was a whole different deal. But anyway, I don't need to go into that. So, so anyway, I went to this meeting, and uh, you know, by the grace of God, I embraced my alcoholism, and I started the 12-step program. And uh, so I'm 22 years sober now. But you know. It was about two years later, I had recognized truly what this former roommate had been talking about as I was practicing my overeating and binging, purging and overexercising and everything. And I was living in Chicago at the time, downtown, and uh, I had asked this friend of mine who was an AA, I knew she also went to OA, and I asked her if she would take me to one of her OA meetings with her. And she said, sure. I go to a meeting on Saturday. It's up at this hospital on Lakeshore Drive. Why don't you join me? And I said, that's great. I'll join you. Was I nervous? Oh, I was so nervous. And I so didn't want to go. And I thought, oh, I've already asked her. I've already committed to going. Oh, my God. So I went to the meeting. And I sat through the meeting. And uh, most everyone, to the best of my recollection, was was an overeater, and I didn't hear anything about the bulimia or the anorexia. Unfortunately, I didn't hear the message. That would be the important part. And I left the meeting, and I thought, well, this meeting was really fine for those people, and that's great. But you know what? I can control it. I know I can control it. I know I can do better. And so for the next ten years... I set out to try to control my disease. And I have to tell you, those were the most painful, the most painful years of my life. And, and while I practiced the 12 steps, I was sober, but I was completely insane. And I was in so much pain. And I just wasn't willing. I wasn't willing to surrender I wasn't willing to surrender this part of my life to God, you know. And um, the good thing is I stayed in 12-step, you know, and I continued to stay sober. And for me, my path is that, you know, I had to get clean and sober before I could actually recognize what else was going on, before I could recognize that I had this disease, where I could be at least in my right mind to do something about it. You know, to be clear-headed. And, um, you know, so there I was. And, uh, you know, that was in Chicago. And, and through that, those years, I'll just tell you, I, I left Chicago. And then I went to, um, went to San Francisco. And then I came here. Yeah. I made a lot of other moves in between anyway. So I came down here and I was living in Studio City. And I knew about OA. And I'd reached a whole new bottom, and I was very depressed at the time. But I knew where to call, and Mm -hmm. that's the beautiful thing. I knew to call OA, and I called up the office, and they said, Honey, we've got a meeting on this night and this night and this night. And I said, Well, what about Wednesday night? And they said, Yeah, we've got a meeting at 8 o'clock. It's a 100-pounder's meeting here at the office, and they told me where it was. And they said, The newcomer's meeting is at 7.30. And I said, Thank you very much. And I thought, I want to go to that meeting. I really need that meeting. And so Wednesday came and I took myself to the meeting. And the newcomer meeting was really hard. I just couldn't speak. I couldn't find a way to really speak. Because every time I did, I cried. You know, I cried and I cried. And, um, you know, the crying for me, because I've done a lot of crying is just coming to terms with myself about what my disease is, and it's coming breaking through all of the barriers because God knows I've had a lot of barriers breaking through the control and trying to let it go and coming to accept for myself what I am and what I have, and I have the disease of compulsive reading. also bulimia and anorexia, and. That is where I started to embrace the program, you know, by that acceptance. And, um, you know, it was a beautiful thing. As hard as it was, um, I knew that I belonged. I knew that I belonged. And so, you know, I grasped the program with both hands, and I knew what I needed to do, and that was get busy. And uh, I needed to start working with God, and I needed to find a sponsor. So I found myself a sponsor. And uh, she said, well, it's time to pick up the book and start working the steps. So that's what I did. Um, The one thing I started doing right away was um, trying to include prayer work that would involve my eating disorder. And so I had to kind of rework my prayers. I'd been doing some prayer work. I feel like I was doing like half the prayers I should have been doing. So I embraced the whole Prayer deal, and uh, I'd gotten into a habit. That's a good habit to pray in the morning and thank God. Uh, so I expanded to thanking God for my abstinence each day that I wake up, and I still do that today. Um, what um, what I began doing was then doing a third step and literally turning my disease over to the care of God. Turning my life over to the care of God. Turning anything and everything that was in my face, in my way, facing me that day as a challenge or a difficulty and turning that over to God. You know, and I still do that. Um, I start my day with, uh, with a, a multitude of different prayers. I try to do some reading in one of my books so I read out of the big book. And uh, the part in the big book that I really love is on page 86 and 87, Upon Awakening. And that just says it so beautifully because it says, you know, I look, about, I look forward to the 24 hours ahead because it's only one day. And, um, you know, this is where I embrace God's help and I recruit God's help. And then it goes on to say, um, during the day if I become irritated, agitated, you know, along that line, that I'm to pause. That I shouldn't go full force ahead that I need to pause and step back and ask God for an intuitive thought or inspiration. You know, and and when I do things like that, when I practice this, you know, see my day goes a lot better. Rather than just trying to go full force ahead and running my own show. You know, that's when I that's when I'm in trouble. Because when I operate from the ego and I still have a strong ego, I still have to differentiate between Okay, this seems to be what my ego wants to do today. And this seems to be what God wants me to do. So every time I veer off God's path and get into the ego thinking, I'm in trouble. I'm reacting. I'm feeling like, well, you know, and I go to the store and I'm having a bad experience or I don't want to go to the store because I'm afraid. And I get caught up in the fear, you know. And the fear. And the anger. And those are the things I have to stay away from. Those are the things I need to pause and ask God for help on. But I realized that one of the the most important things is that if I wanted to experience long-lasting freedom, I mean long-lasting freedom, more than just today, more than down the road, um, if I wanted to get the the long-lasting freedom from my eating disorder, that I needed God. And I needed God on a daily basis. And I needed to surrender my will and my life over to the care of God. And so, you know, one of the things I love about OA is we always, we always recite the third step prayer. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful prayer. I love that prayer. You know, it's, it's about getting out of myself. You know, and reminding myself, oh, yeah, I remember those ten painful years. The years when I tried to do it by myself. I mean, because I completely convinced myself, oh, I can control it. I know I can. And I couldn't. And so, you know, then I go to the first step. And our first step talks about we admitted we were powerless over food. doesn't say I'm powerless over food. You know, because by myself, I can't do anything. Tried there, been there, done that. But when I come together with you, you know, we do it together. We do it together like no one by themselves can. And that's the one thing I I have to remember. All I have to do is reflect back on my experience because it will tell me every time. And whenever I go back to the I, is it my program, I, 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 I'm in trouble. You know, the phone, picking up, calling my sponsor, working with other people, sponsoring other people is, is just amazingly different. Um couple of acronyms that I that I just heard recently and I thought I had heard them all but people are still making up new ones which I love. The thing about faith and the word faith I heard is fabulous adventure in trusting him. You know, and and that just reminds me that I have to trust God. And sometimes there are things that I still don't want to trust to God. That I still kinda of want to keep a little pocket of things, you know, that I can I can control. I can handle it. Okay, don't wanna I want to surrender everything, God forbid, you know. God help me with everything and make my life fabulous, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, that's exactly what what my higher power does. Makes things so much better. And today I have so many, so many things to be grateful for in my life. Um, you know, I, I remember when I first came around this program, I had, uh, it was right around that time, I had met my now husband. And, um, you know, I talked about that wall thing. Well, I had a, had a huge wall up around everybody, and, and I'd never, never gotten married, and I never wanted to get married because how can you get married when you have a wall up, okay? <laughs> and so, um, you know, I dated and dated and had fun, ran around, had a good time. Um, but when I, I met my now husband at the time, and we, we dated, we dated for a long time. And uh, actually about four and a half years ago, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, um, I actually got married and uh, for my first time. And it's, uh, you know, it's been an interesting road. I was telling Walter earlier, it's, uh, you know, it's it's not easy for me. It's just not easy. I still have a tendency to kind of put a, maybe not a wall up, maybe a fence, okay? Maybe just a little fence, uh, you know? And, and I still kind of have a, a way of doing things on my own, you know, a way of doing things, because I, I was self-supporting in all ways for all those years, and, and it's still not easy sometimes for me to ask for help, you know. And uh, at other times I just seem to think I know the better way, and, uh, you know, I really annoy him sometimes, and, and then I get really annoyed by him sometimes, and, and you know, um, these are the growing pains that I have today. That I get to take to God. Uh, these are the things I can talk to about my sponsor. And um, and you know, it just uh, I just have to stay on the path. You know, I can't afford to veer off the path today. I need to stay on the path. I need to surrender everything to God and to stay close to my sponsor. And I can need to continue to be of service. Um, the other acronym I was going to mention is, uh, and I just heard this maybe a month or two ago, and that is hope, helping others with personal experience. And I love this because I love going to meetings, and I feel very fortunate. I love going to meetings because I love to hear how you get through your experiences, and how you get through your experiences, and how you get to hear, get through the difficult days, the challenges. That's what we do. And when I'm able to share things with you, and especially when we can laugh at them, you know, it was nice to hear you kind of chuckle at how I'm getting annoyed and how I annoy my husband. And, you know, I just have to be honest because this is an honest program. I was taught to be honest, as honest as my life depended on it. And when I'm not honest, I'm only hurting myself. You know, I'm just hurting myself. You know, I I um, I have to do a lot of things to stay abstinent today and... and uh I do a lot of traveling for work, and traveling is not easy. It's not easy in some respects, and in other respects it is easy, because I don't have a cafeteria to go to, but I do have there are lots of food available, food items available at work, and, um, you know, they're open for me. So I had to set up some guidelines for myself, and uh, periodically I revisit those guidelines with my sponsors saying, Okay, now we need to talk about this because now this seems to be a problem. So what I do is I get it together and I pack up all the clothes I need for my trip, and I pack up the clothes, uh, the clothes, and I pack up my food. And uh, fortunately, you know, I've done this for a lot of years. I know what travels best and what doesn't. And so you know what, I just travel, and and I go. I typically go to the same places on a regular basis, so I know what I can what I can get to eat there, and you know what, I just have my routines. And when you have a routine that works, I stay with it. And occasionally, I can deviate it if I feel like, okay, I think this is a good thing, or like I've got a, there's a new restaurant option, or something else opens up, you know, I can make a change. Um, But this is the one, the one deal, my sponsor always says, this is the one thing that we always have to do Field work on. We continue to do field work on. And we need to make adjustments from time to time. What works, what doesn't work. I change. Need to make adjustments. You know. Um, I have a food plan today, and that is I eat three meals a day with a snack. Uh, On occasion, my work requires me to maybe work, you know, all night. And then I have to make an adjustment with my food plan. Do I like to make an adjustment? No, I don't like to make those kinds of adjustments. My sponsor says, well, you know what, if you're going to stay up later and you're going to work a longer day, you're going to need to have an additional snack or maybe turn it into four meals. And you're going to need to do that because you are going to need the energy to stay awake and to work. I haven't wanted to do that. And one night I just about passed out. Um, In fact, one of my coworkers just said, you need to go over there and you need to sit down. Because I guess I looked like Casper the Ghost or something. I looked really bad. And you know what? That night I just didn't want to eat. I didn't want to eat any extra food. And uh, you know, my disease is still very powerful. This is such an insidious disease. Cunning, baffling, powerful. And so that was a lesson. I said, well, I can't afford to do this at work. Um, I've made some changes so I don't have to to work all night anymore. But um, occasionally I do. And um, that's just the way it is. In recovery today, I go to lots of meetings. I've got a home group that I go to on a regular basis when I can. Sometimes I just have to be flexible, which is another challenge for me. But um, sometimes I can't make it to that meeting because I've got to work that night. So I'll go to a different meeting. Um, I go to a variety of different meetings. Uh, I've got a couple commitments. I'm a treasurer one meeting and a birthday person at another meeting. And uh, I sponsor other women, and I have a sponsor. And I keep in touch with them on a daily basis. Um, Or sometimes not a daily basis, but on a regular basis. And uh, I'm also of service. Um, uh, I try to be of service however I can. And uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing recently, I started last year, is doing uh, meditations, group meditations. And I started them a couple years ago at my house, and... uh, They they went really well and I really enjoyed them. Um, I enjoyed doing the guided meditation and I've taken a lot of guided meditations in groups and I started up in San Francisco and I found it was such a relaxing connection to God and I came away from that feeling so peaceful that I just really loved it and I learned a lot from the people that were doing the guided meditations. So when I moved down here, uh, I remembered going to those, and I couldn't couldn't find something that I enjoyed going to, and so I started doing them, and uh, I did them at my house, and then I decided that um, I didn't want to do them only at the house, because it was open to only a few people, and I I wanted to open it up, so I said, you know what, I talked to a couple different people, and sit, people said, you know, look into doing it at a clubhouse, or So I found out the OA office would welcome meditations. So I started doing them last August. And, um, you know, we do a guided meditation. It's the third Saturday of every month. It's at 1 o'clock over at the OA office in Rosita, And it's just a great thing. And, you know, I was doing meditations on my own before that. But I wasn't doing them on a very regular basis. And doing this, you know, service has its own rewards, and it's helped me do a more regular meditation on my own at home and for longer periods of time. And that's just been so, so great. Um, you know, I need to pray and meditate every morning. It helps keep me on a path and on a track where I'm calmer, I'm not as reactive, and I don't think about any food or food-related type of thing. And so it keeps me on that even keel. It keeps me with more serenity in my life. And not that I'm always serene, because I am not. You can call my husband. Um, But, you know, it helps me stay on a more even keel, and that helps me. You know, my one of the focuses that I have in the morning is to connect to God. And so I try to get on my knees and do the meditation and I ask God for help. And I tend to do a thing where I lean on my elbows and I put my head down to just close my eyes. Because it's a long journey from my head to my heart. And what I need to do in the morning is get out of my head. Because my head is still a little insane. And I don't want to have the day run by my head. And so I do this little prayer thing, trying to get out of my head and into my heart. And so it's, it's whatever, you know, 11 or 12 inches or whatever. And so when I try to lean on my elbows, you know, I can try to connect the head to the heart. And I find when I do that, I, I operate more from where God would want me to go. And I'm more in tune with what I need to to do that day in light of what God wants me to do. And it helps me have a better day. It helps me have a more serene day. I can more easily go with the flow. I can let go and let God. You know, I can see things that I may not see otherwise. Um, You know, that way I'm always in a better way to start my day. And, you know, I just... I'm. I just want to end with this. I'm so grateful. I have so many things to be grateful for. I've got, I've got a job that offers me, you know, a great life and uh, chances to travel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm married today, and, and you know, he's a he's a great guy. Despite how we have our difficulties, you know, um, he's he's a great guy, and and we have a lot of great opportunities. Um, you know, i got, I don't have any children today. I, I do have my fur children, I have three fur children, my cats, and you know I love them. I love them dearly. And um, you know the other thing though is you know I, I never really wanted to have children, and I think part of that is i never I never felt like i I could do it. you know, uh, I didn't have a good role model and and I thought I'd probably be a pretty lousy mother. And I had a lot of fear over that too. Um, but the beautiful thing about the program is I've got a sponsor today was like a mom and I lost my mom 30 plus years ago and I love that aspect of the program and the girls that I sponsor today are like my girls you know they're like my girls didn't have to raise them go to the diaper stage love that but you know I my heart is there in helping them pass on the hope to pass on the you go girl you know you can do it and I love that aspect of the program because it fills me up. And my, my mission today is to stay filled up. So I want to stay abstinent more than anything else. Abstinence is the most important thing to me. And as long as I continue to pass it on, to stay grateful, to keep my gratitude list very fresh, you know, then I've got a chance today to stay abstinent another day. You know, and that that just pretty much says it for me. To stay on course with God, through thick or thin, to stay close to these rooms, and to be of service. Clean house, trust God, and to help others. So thanks for letting me share. So, okay, okay, great, all right. So, who's got a question? Yes. You're welcome. I was wondering, how do you hold your husband to your individual program or how do you balance your time and raising and your relationship and whatever and you... Okay. So how did, I, how did I tell my husband I was in a 12-step program? How do I balance my meetings and juggle life? Yeah, I guess when you were dating. Yeah. Um, and when I was dating. It was... Um, it was really difficult. I remember at first, I was, I still had a lot of layers of shame to get over. And uh, I remember I didn't tell him I was in O A for a long time. Um, He actually found out I was in AA through, through someone who blew my anonymity. And, um, so that was, that really scared me. And I almost ran. But, um, eventually, I felt like I had to tell him. And I had to be open. Um, And I was afraid that he, he just wouldn't understand. And he would think I would, you know, whatever. But I did tell him. I remember it just took a while, and I had to pray about it, and I tried to talk to my sponsor about it. And, uh, and I just shared it with him. And he turned around and he goes, well, thank you for sharing that with me. It t- must have taken a lot of courage. And I was like, wow. Um, during the dating time... You know, I just had to set my priorities. Um, I've always, you know, I've known since beginning a program that, you know, I had to go to a certain number of meetings to stay on track. And sometimes it was hard. Um, I would just have to to divvy up my time. And sometimes I would have to say, you know, I'd love to go to the movies. I'd love to go dancing. But you know what? I, I have to go to a meeting tonight. This is my home group. And uh, I just had to set my boundaries. And from any point in time I am, like today's Saturday. Is it? Okay. Um, so I, I kind of just take a look back to say, okay, in the last seven days, how many meetings have I been to? Oh, you know what? I need to go to a meeting. If I've only been to two meetings this week, due for a meeting. And so I just try to keep the meeting times, my meeting number of meetings in, in light. So, you know, it's always a juggling act. And sometimes I might be going through a difficult time. Might need to go to more meetings. Might need to spend more time reading literature, working stats. So, as long as I get enough in, because I don't want to be a meeting short and at a buffet. <laughs> yes. connecting with? I I have. I remember I had a sponsor for a while uh, at the beginning and she had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of recovery and I just loved her. And I remember one day she said, honey, she said, "Um, you know, I've enjoyed working with you but I think I have given you all I can give you and you need to find another sponsor who has uh, the bulimia and anorexia or more than I have to give. And um, Oh, it was like she threw a boulder at me. And I remember I cried and cried. And um, now I can recognize that she was trying to help me because she had no experience in that area. Um, trying to think that I had another sponsor, and I don't know what happened to her. And one of my sponsors went out. And uh, I don't know where she is. But, you know, I, I think it's an important thing for me to always have a sponsor. And if the sponsor is, you know, is available for me, great. As far as doing steps and talking on a regular basis, great. Um, And if they're not available, I need to find somebody else. And only I know that. And, uh, you know, and only am I able to make that decision for myself to... You know, I pray about it, maybe talk to a couple other people about it, going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I, d- I never make a decision quickly. But um, ultimately, you have to find somebody you need, right? So. Yes? Hi, thank you for your share. Um, a question. like, um, I feel like I'm at a point where I'm like 50-40 with God, like God there 60% of the time, 40% of the time is like, not there at all. And I was wondering... Like (laughs) how um, you developed that stronger relationship with your higher power, um, and like what will you develop that relationship? Um, A lot of things. I remember years ago, actually, one of the first times my husband came over to my house when we were dating. I had my computer still on, and he looks over, and I had a screensaver that said, "Let go and let God. Mm -hmm. Let go and let God." (laughs) And so, you know, that was a reminder myself to myself remind myself about God and uh, and I would paste up the serenity prayer or I would you know put yellow stickies I love yellow stickies what did we do before yellow stickies you know and um, and so you know there were just different things you know leaving a meditation book out where it was visible and uh, or, or writing down something that spoke to me during a meditation or during my um, uh, my prayer work you know in my In my daily book, in my Franklin, so you know, over the course of the years, just different things. Um, I sometimes write down that I've you know got to call my sponsor or you know call a friend in the program. Um, So just different reminders. However, however it works for you. Okay, how how do I do my fourth step, my experiences, and then how do I direct my sponsees yeah. with a fourth step? Um, as far as doing the fourth step, I you know I basically did it. I did it out of the 12, oh twelve and twelve, and I remember I went question by question by question, and I thought I would never complete it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I loved it, and I love. I love how this book is written, and um, it helped me tremendously. And I, and I gave that away um, to that first sponsor I had. And um, that's what I've asked my sponsees to do, you know, to go to this book, because I feel like the questions in there are really great. And, um, you know, not all of them are applicable, but you answer what, which ones are. And uh, they're very thought-provoking, too, you know, to really dive into Uh, more than just the surface of this disease. That's it? Okay. So that's just about it. I want to thank you all for being here and uh, participating in your recovery. And um, thanks a lot for letting me share.